Welcome to the Mindfulness Monday podcast. I'm your host, Carly Jean Puck, and as a member of the local mental health advisory council in Cook County, Minnesota, I'm passionate about promoting mental well being. Every Monday, we delve into the world of mindfulness and discover practical techniques to cultivate a more mindful and balanced existence, making it make sense for your daily life. Rotating between short practices and interviews with folks whose work intersects with mindful living. Time to get more mindful. Thank you to both of you for joining me on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here and to hear more about both of your work in our community and your thoughts on mindfulness. Since we've got two people on this time, could both of you share your names so people can get used to their voice and who they're talking to? Okay. I'm Andrea Orest, and I work for Cook County Public Health as a public health educator, and I am also on the Great Expectations School Board, and I participate in a few other boards as well. I'm Andrea, and I am also Cook County Public Health. I work as a public health educator. And within this scope of work that I do, I also work with emergency preparedness with uh, care partners in our initiative called Age Friendly, which is a initiative to create a community inclusive from zero to 100 years old. And I am part of the PTA, people that go to the meeting of PTA. I just recently joined, so you can see me at PTA's meeting now. And I've been in this community for about four years. I married someone that was born and raised here, so I feel like we came to his home. <laughs> I would love to know from each of your perspectives, working in public health and being a public health educator, how does mindfulness tie into your work as a public health educator? Where is that kind of intersection for either or both of you? So I think for me, it ties in a few different ways. First of all, working in working in a position where you are engaging in the public a lot and accepting in a lot of feedback from the public, whether it be positive or negative, you have to balance your own mindfulness. So that is important, which then plays into how well of a job I feel like I'm doing. And then also as we are working with different community organizations or community members, how we approach a situation has to be very well-intentioned, which also requires mindfulness. And then in my scope of public health, I focus on substance misuse prevention and mental health in the community. A positive outlook on both of those is helpful, which comes from mindfulness. And then also being able to talk about mindfulness or having that sort of positive approach in those two realms has definitely been valuable. Can you share a little bit more about what, in terms of your public health education looks like in the community? Yes, I do a range of things. I do suicide prevention trainings called Safe Talk, and I've been doing them now for a few months. I've been offering them to at the community level, organizational levels, and then I also was at Great Expectations Charter School a few weeks ago to do a training with the staff. I also work with the schools and different community organizations and entities on prevention work. And part of that work is to establish a substance misuse prevention 
coalition. So that is in the process. I also participate on the Mental Health Local Advisory Council, which, you know, helps advise the Public Health and Human Services Board. And we look at lots of the scope of services and initiatives that we have in our county around mental health. Beautiful. Andrea, did you want to share at all about what your work like in the community and then how mindfulness ties in as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I understand as for mindfulness as a practice, you know, that involves being present in the moment. So I use that to be present in the moment when I'm speaking with one of our community members or a client, focusing on their their feelings and their thoughts without a judgment on my end and go understand their worries and fears and respond accordingly it doesn't mean that after i'm being so mindful the aftermath is gonna be like total emotion control because <laughs> mm. sometimes i do not have the total emotion control after i'm practicing mindfulness mm-hmm. in the moment with the client or a community member um, but that's how i would describe that i'm using that tool mm-hmm. i also think like Mindfulness has so many ways of looking at it. It could be from an exercise that will require long, let's say, 10 minutes of mindfulness. But you can also do one minute of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think that scale that you can manage mindfulness, you can apply it for different things. And I like that. It's so versatile, this tool and approach to live day to day. I learned about mindfulness a few years ago and I haven't been able to implement it in my life a hundred percent, but I will say that every day is a little bit towards being more mindful from morning to night because it's an exercise. Yeah, it's a practice. I appreciate that honesty because I think sometimes maybe mindfulness or meditation or any practices like this feel unattainable or feel kind of scary because we have that image of someone maybe sitting on a meditation cushion for 60 minutes and levitating off the ground. And if that's your practice, that's beautiful, right? (laughs) But it doesn't have to be like that. I wonder, given maybe during your time working in public health and human services or just your experience as a human, do you think conversations about mental health and mindfulness are shifting and changing and growing? I would say yes. I think that the larger community conversations are becoming more centered around maybe not mindfulness specifically, but the sort of positive mental health effects that we can, that other people can have on other people and the community which really is mindfulness. I think that it gets, for some people, it gets a little tricky when you use the word mindfulness or mental health and they just, they don't, it seems like this big scary thing or this big unknown thing. But when you really get down to it, I think that people are talking about it and that's really valuable. And that also helps to break some of that stigma that comes along with poor mental health outcomes or just having a bad day or whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. Andrea, do you think that in your experience just as a human in the world or maybe working for public health and human services or a little bit of both, do you think the conversations around these things are shifting or growing? I think it is growing, but it is a slow growth. It seems like sometimes we make big progress and sometimes we like retract. Mm -hmm. And I think the word mindfulness, I started listening on podcasts or I, not on podcasts, on a radio show on a commercial be like 
check this app about mindfulness. So I remember starting learning about this concept about 10 years ago, especially through some, there was some big app that it was promoted through a radio that broadcast from New York, can't recall right now, but I remember that's the radio I heard in Montana. So I was like, oh, cool. There's an app that is called 10% Happier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really promoted and I was like, I need to learn about what is mindfulness. But it was hard for me to grasp on the concept until someone made me practice mindfulness. And then I got it. So I think I would invite anyone who has never practiced mindfulness, do one little practice and then you can build from there. Um, I learned through, through my own therapy and therapist that I've seen like what is mindfulness and that mindfulness could be counting your breath for 30 seconds and that is gonna uh, emotion regulate you like fairly quickly and you would have never guessed that a 30 second of breathing in and out would do or looking at an object and then um, for people that has the emotion dysregulation situation happening to them often I would say mindfulness is a very useful skill to learn. I think sometimes people just don't know what mindfulness is. And yeah, there is the stigma to talk about mental health and anything that is related to therapy. I think I had that stigma of my own because I struggle with mental health. But I am 40 now and I'm like, you know what? I'm just doing something good for me. So whatever. I hope that my story inspires someone else out there that wants to improve mental health because... Taking care of your mental health is as good as taking care of any any part of your body. And it's mm-hmm. such an essential part of our body that I think we need to have more attention and resources towards that. I appreciate you sharing that because I also was someone who was like, yeah, that's really good for everybody else. But I don't know if I need therapy or if I need to really look into mindfulness. I'm surviving. But I think a big shift for me, I don't know if, if either of you can relate, was I kind of kept thinking of it as this race, right? I wanted to check a box that I was mindful now and that it was kind of off my list versus thinking of it as just coming back to myself. Like it wasn't something out there, but just reminding myself to come back was like a really big shift for how I even thought about it. What does your own pra- personal practices look like, if you don't mind sharing that, you use to keep going in this world? I have to say that I take a lot of my mindfulness and mental health um, cues from Andrea because Andrea really focuses on that and (laughs) really has a huge focus on that. And it's been very motivating for me to see you put all of that effort into feeling better and being better for yourself. And so that has been a huge motivator for me personally. So thank you. I, for me, I also have that I'm like a check the box mentality all around. Like I have lists all over the place that I'm like, oh, I can check that. And that wasn't there just so I can check it off. Just to cross it off. Right. I totally do that too. Or I'll feel bummed out when it wasn't on the list. And I'll be like, oh, but I did that. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, it is a little list orientated and I really have to remind myself to that idea that you brought up of bringing it back to yourself. It's not just, oh, I'm going to take three minutes 
minutes of deep breaths or whatever. I really, it's not just the deep breaths. It's the focusing on yourself. Something that things change here and there. Obviously we start something and then we stop and then we start, but I do weekly intentions. So I found this, I'd read a lot of news. I found this really great article on CNN about uh, New Year's resolutions and how they're bad for you. (laughs) And so in this article, it talked about weekly intentions and it came with, even with a document where you like, think about the last year of your life and what went well and maybe what you would change. And then you use that to set these weekly intentions So that is something that I've been focusing on. And it's really just, so then you're just looking at one week. What do I want to do better in this one week? I might not do it the week after. It might be something totally different. Every Sunday I sit down and I look at my little document and I'm like, okay, this week I am going to get outside for at least 10 minutes, five days out of the week. That's my intention for this week, which seems like it's super easy to do. But really, it's not. I have to be intentional about it. That has been really helpful for me. I really like that to look at it week by week instead of I just need to feel better or I just need to be happier or whatever. Yeah, I love that because then when you say those things, it doesn't really give you a a path forward, right? You're like, yeah, I want to feel better. (laughs) But where do you go with that? And I love that those intentional practices can help you move that. And it feels more attainable. You're not like, how am I going to be better for the entire year? Right. 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 I'm just going to be better and it's going to be magic, but I don't have any action steps. So it really does help create some action steps around that. I also do the mindful breathing. Like Andrea said, you can do it for one minute. You can do it for 10 minutes or whatever. And then I do almost every day I have a stretching routine. So during that stretching routine, I try to pay attention that it's during a time where I'm not folding laundry or doing dishes or like the kids maybe are busy doing something so I can really focus on myself for those few minutes. And I think for me, the most valuable thing is finding those little times just to focus on myself. I read this something somewhere that said taking care of yourself doesn't always mean that you put yourself first, rather you put your somewhere, right? (laughs) Between work and raising kids and family and all of the things that we participate in the community, where can I put myself somewhere and being cognizant of that? I like that. I like that a lot. That where can I put myself somewhere? Because I think especially there's everyone feels these different pressures in different ways. But as women, and you're mentioning being a mother, the pressure to be the caretaker is so high. And it is almost the expectation of to do that successfully, you do have to stop taking care of yourself. It's almost like a marker of success to do that. And so I love that you just put yourself somewhere. It doesn't even have to be first, but just start trying to put yourself on the map. I like that image. Did you want to share anything, Andrea? Yeah, I love what Andrea said. I feel like I'm always just, always, we share office. So maybe we never said that in the podcast. But it's so weird that she says she inspires me. But I, because I bump her with whatever thoughts are in my head. <laughs> Andrea, I gotta tell you something about this. And she's like, I, and then I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna stop talking so you can work. But never hear what she does. It's awesome for me to know some of the things she uses for mindfulness. 
and like the intention that's something I've been looking at through my own journey of finding tools for me I like Andrea my mother I have two children and I was born abroad I moved to the, this country when I was 24 and I basically was in survival mode since I was from the moment I married my husband I was 28 when we got married uh, and moved here for good it's a lot of barriers that I had to go through that included like a lot of racism mm. and that really was really hard and then to navigate that as a mother also as a wife my husband is not from my same culture so I had to adapt to his life and be sure I was adapting it's behaving like they behave which is very different than the way I behave when I where I come from right and so I lost I got lost I couldn't after 10 years I'm like who, who am I what do I like do I like things what I don't know I remember what I liked back then I could just picture everything from when I was younger but nothing from this survival mode so mindfulness was a tool that started grounding me to this moment to the present moment to who I am today and to appreciate where I am and appreciate who I am and start to find myself again who I am what I like to do what is enough of adapting <laughs> more of living and yeah, yeah through the, my mindfulness practice I've been able to ground myself to be present in the moment to not be so judgmental towards myself and I do box, box breathing mm. so I do it in four times so I go one two three four on one inhale I hold four seconds I breathe out in four seconds and then inhale in four seconds and that is an exercise that at some point will exhaust me. So I will just get I get out of breath or something. Yeah. But I like that challenge because I wonder how long can I hold the box breathing. And that is my favorite mindful exercise. Otherwise, I'll just practice the one minute looking at an object or counting 13 in 30 seconds my breathing. There are some others that I'm doing lately, which is they're a little more specific. So you start with three big inhales and then... A shorter inhales through your nose only and then finishing up with three big inhales so it's, it has a rhythm now and it creates the whole pattern and it's very incredible how our hormones are in our brain so connected to our emotions when we you practice mindfulness we help our brain balance the chemicals mm -hmm. balance that cortisol that is not allowing you to think mm -hmm. and that's like I am a very academically driven for everything. I need to have a reasoning. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. So now that I know that my mindful exercise is going to reduce the cortisol production, I'm like breathing. I love that. I love that some people really connect to the science of it. And that's like a, oh, I get it. Like everyone kind of clicks in on different levels. So I love that you're like, oh, I have the why this is working. So I can visualize it. And that helps me know to keep trying. I love that. I really love that. It feels like there's kind of two things happening here where both of you are practicing mindfulness in your own lives for your own reasons, for your own well-being. And then seeing that is there's just this obvious connection, right? You mentioned flight or fight or freeze that you were experiencing, Andrea, and so much of what we talked about in terms of public health and education and mental health and substance abuse and all of that is so related to figuring out how to get out of those modes and those patterns that 
many people have been in for trauma, for substance abuse, all of those things. So that connection is so beautiful when you can feel it yourself. It's easier to help others and explain, no, I actually can tell you what it was like for me. And here is how it can help you. So I love that both of you are in these positions and that you're working and doing this work in the community because it's quite beautiful to hear your own practices and how that translates out into the world. I think that sharing our own stories is valuable to ourselves, obviously, if if a person is comfortable with that. But that also helps to break down that stigma. And it does is that aha moment. Oh, other people, you do that? I want to do that. I've had that moment a lot of times where Andrea will tell me this really great thing that she's learned. And I'm like, I want to do that. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) It goes out. I have a whole list of things that like, I'm going to, these are the things that I'll try eventually. And it's really, it's cool to hear other people say what they're doing. And it was interesting that you pointed out that you tell me all these things, but I don't ever tell you anything back. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, it's, it's the power of continuing to talk about it, even though it sometimes feels, I swear I talk about this a lot. What would you tell them if they're nervous or don't know where to start or are unsure about how to create their own practice? Do you have any advice for those people. I think that just first of all, Carly, you are a beautiful mindfulness resource. So exploring the information that you put out has been valuable to me personally also. But I think that just remembering that you can start small. You can start with that counting your breath for 30 seconds or there are small things that you can do to start. And sometimes we all have this power of Google now where we're like, oh, I need to know right now. And you Google it and there's a thousand things and you're like, how do I know which one to pick? Right. I think that starting with the information that you share out is a good place. And then just look for small things that you can try because if you, what I, at least for me, if I start big with this big plan, I'm going to, this is my big idea and this is what it's going to look like. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> then that doesn't happen. And I'm like, oh, I, I ruined. I can't do that. Don't set your, don't set the bar too high. <laughs> no, Just take totally. those little moments. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. And also I've gotten myself into the same trap. I don't, do this anymore because I realize it doesn't actually work for me. But when you said New Year's resolutions, I was totally someone who's new year, new journal, new calendar, new pens, new stickers. Everything's going to be different this year. And I'm going to set up this whole system that is not actually what I normally do or use. And then you don't do that for a week and you're upset with yourself and you want to give up. And that's so common, I feel like, with a lot of this stuff, whether it's physical movement or mindfulness or whatever it is, you're like, I'm going to run a marathon next month. (laughs) And And today I run five feet. (laughs) Exactly. It's kind of the same idea. So I love that reminder. And like you said, Andrea, what if you focus on an object for one minute? And or what if you did box breathing for five minutes? You know that it doesn't require any equipment or... There's no barrier to entry in that way. So I love that reminder that just start where you are. It's and nice. And it's nice that I have a coworker like Andrea, where I can openly speak about these things without her feeling overwhelmed. Not everyone has the same uh, tolerance for emotions and not everyone can hear from another person. Oh, I feel so distressed because 
the other human being could be just as distressed and be like, I can't be around this person, it's too negative for me or whatever. There's just all of that. So you're always super mindful in, in another way to say mm-hmm. who you're going to share with, who you're going to share these thoughts with, what do you feel comfortable around? So creating that space also for your friends or your loved ones, it's, it's great. We all need to have a little space to debrief our thoughts and, and mm-hmm. learn from our emotions. Yes. And just be okay with needing that, not feeling bad for needing the debrief or the space or the time, or I know I would feel almost guilty for reaching out to a friend. Oh, sorry. I don't want to bother you. I'm, I just want to talk about this little thing, my depression, <laughs> right? <laughs> and sometimes that feels bad, but finding the people and the spaces you can do that feel safe can be life-saving. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And creating these practices are life-saving practices. Uh-huh. Did either of you want to share anything else with listeners that I didn't give you space to do? I think if anyone is interested in participating in community conversations around mental health or substance misuse prevention, I would love that. So my phone number at Public Health and Human Services is 218-220-5536. The more voices participating in the conversation around mental health and prevention work, the better. I would like to thank you, Carly, for inviting me today to this podcast and to be able to express my thoughts and my and my emotions and beliefs um, with you, with Andrea. And I like Andrea, I invite everyone that is interested in, in having more of these conversations of being part of, of our coalition committee and talk about how can we support our youth, support ourselves, support our community, and just take the taboo away from speaking about how important mental health is and how it drives a lot of our even physical illness. So I invite you to check out resources and you can contact me at Public Health. Andrea Talk direct line is 218264 9465. Um, my scope of work, as I mentioned at the beginning, I am going full force on my age family initiative, which is creating a uh, community where everybody is in, included. And um, it look, looks at nine domains of livability that include transportation, housing, uh, health services, and social connection, among others. And so we have a uh, vibrant uh, space for people from zero to 100 year old or older. We want everyone in the community to feel like this community is catering to their needs and something that can benefit a 100 year old, can benefit an eight year old or a five year old or a mom with a stroller. That's what we're driving to foster. If you have any ideas or any ideas regarding mental health or resources you'd like to share with us, feel free to reach out. Thank you both for joining me. And thank you for all the beautiful work you're doing in the community. I look forward to chatting again. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Mindfulness Monday podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can help us get it into the ears of more listeners by rating and reviewing it wherever you're listening on your favorite platform. Contact WTIP and let them know that you enjoy the podcast so we can keep creating content like this. See you next Monday.